You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. I'm going to be kicking off our exit interviews finally. Obviously had some personal issues crop up, but also, let's be honest, the season's been kind of in the back burner there for a while. The Miami Heat are no longer an active participant in this year's playoffs. There's lots of news going around the league and plenty of time to assess all of the individual players, but I'll be having guests from around the local media landscape to help talk about Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and many, many more. So make sure you stay tuned for that over the next couple of weeks. But today's episode will be about a couple decisions that Miami has to make regarding some potential superstar additions. Whether or not that's the right path for Miami to get back into contention is by adding a superstar or perhaps by building depth. I'll look at some of the available players or some of the players that Miami possibly should be targeting But I'll start off with the news in Dallas, as I have so often this week. It's chaos out there. Rick Carlisle is out as the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks after 13 seasons. And look, this isn't locked on Mavericks. You can go listen to that show if you want to. But I just find it so interesting that this organization, the Mavericks, and I've pointed this out before, has mirrored Miami in so many ways, the way they've been up and down, the, the, the fact that these two teams seem to be intertwined and yet now the Mavericks are completely going in the opposite direction of where Miami is and they have a superstar level talent a generational player in Luka Doncic on the roster and yet that front office is in complete disarray the exact opposite of where Miami is right now Donnie Nelson the general manager of that team for (laughs) decades stepped down earlier this week or mutually parted ways with the team as is the uh the, the nomenclature of the day, Harlebob Vulgaris, who I talked about uh, as, uh, in a recent episode, the gambler who has become a confidant of Mark Cuban, is still part of the team, although he was rumored to be out, and apparently his status with the team is still up in the air. This was all happening yesterday when there was so much chaos going around the league, and I talked about that in yesterday's episode. Today... Rick Carlisle announces his retirement, or not his retirement, at least stepping away from the Mavericks and now becomes one of the key available coaches out there with a number of big spots available. Like, look, there's Portland, there's Indiana, there's Washington because Scott Brooks is gone, and now New Orleans. I should forgot to mention that. I, I, it, you could play a, a good game, and you should probably listen to Locked on NBA now because I'm sure they'll be ranking what franchise is the best one to take over. You've got a superstar with Luca, but a, let's say, a difficult situation in that front office. You're not quite sure if you want to work for Cuban, if you want to work with Vilgaris. Then you've got New Orleans, David Griffin, a noted general manager, a guy who has gotten the most out of the teams he's run, and yet Stan Van Gundy chooses to step away. But at the same time, you also have all-star level talent and Brandon Ingram and, of course, Zion Williamson. What about Portland? Do you go over there and coach Dame Lillard? That's Chauncey Billups' job to hold, so I think that position is likely filled. It will be once the Clippers are, are able to advance and or do advance, or once their their playoffs end, he'll, he's likely to join that team. But it's a it's an interesting market for coaches out there. 
And yet, Eric Spolstra is still with Miami, and it seems like that's going to be the case moving forward. But again, I've pointed this out before, so I don't want to beat that same argument over again. But Miami's stability continues to be a, a huge asset for this team, in contrast, when you look at even a stable, seemingly stable franchise like the Dallas Mavericks, complete disarray there. And now, local media guys are saying that that's, that's okay to clear in house like that, that they needed to kind of get some new energy there. I don't think Miami's at that point yet, and I think that's a, a huge point to, to you know make here is that the Mavericks have fallen short of their expectations. They do have that generational talent in Doncic. They want to clearly go deeper into the playoffs, something that gives that franchise new life because otherwise you're just kind of in this post Dirk Nowitzki sort of cloud where you're you know you brought a championship there in 2011 that satisfied a lot of. The criteria for that team, right? Like you, you built yourself up as a kind of young, young upstart team. You, you lost your opportunity in 2006 because of a certain player named Dwayne Wade, and you're kind of recovering from that. Where do you go from there as a franchise? It's a very different path than Miami. They still had their superstar in Dirk, and yet they were able to kind of slowly build. And then in 2011, they were able to achieve their championship over Miami, unfortunately. And then from that point, it's kind of like, well, we've got a ring already. I kind of it's so somewhat similar to what Toronto is is currently experiencing right now, where they've checked that box is like, well, we got a championship, we've gotten one recently. It's 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 enough to kind of say this iteration of the team is good enough because we have a championship, we we were able to achieve something, and so they can kind of coast a little bit based on that success. Uh, you know, Carlisle's next move, however, is an interesting one because to me, I see that. It's likely to be the Boston Celtics. He obviously he has ties there as a player, um, and I and I think even though there's been some rumors or decision making that with a team like Boston, uh, that they need to add more people of color in that front office because clearly that has not been something that's been prominently part of the Boston Celtics culture or Boston's the city's in culture for a long, long time. They absolutely do need somebody like that, but I don't think that they're so. Focus on adding somebody, uh, a minority figure, in order just to satisfy that criteria that they'll overlook a proven coach with ties to the organization. Now, if Danny Ainge had been there, more than likely, Carlisle would already have a job in Boston. But the reality is that now with uh, Brad Stevens as the president of basketball, basketball operations there, then I don't know that his connection to Carlisle is as close I don't know that he want to. He wants to hire a guy like Carlisle as his coach. You know that this is a. He has an opportunity now to kind of redefine that franchise that Stevens that is. And I don't know if he wants to necessarily bring in somebody like that who might have a conflicting view. I don't know what the relationship is there. It, it seems like that's a good fit. At the same time, there are questions about what Stevens can do. Like we have no template here. You know, nobody knows what Brad Stevens is leaning towards. We don't know what his hiring tendencies are like. Maybe he adds a Becky Hammond. Maybe he adds, uh, a, you know, a, not, maybe not necessarily a Chauncey Billups because obviously Portland still, but maybe somebody else that we haven't talked about or considered. Maybe, you know, there's another up-and-coming coach out there that gets a good opportunity to join the Celtics and maybe take them to that next level. But if Carlisle is added to Boston's uh, coaching staff, it would be, well, it would be tricky for Miami because I think as an innovative, offensive-minded coach, he could unlock Jason Tatum even more completely, and I think that would be 
a, a difficult thing. You don't necessarily like they've already got a good team. The reality is, is the Celtics, as much as we'd like to criticize them as frauds or you know petty and pettiness, we would constantly point out the fact that they've fallen short and that Stevens is has not achieved as much as he could there. I still think that that roster has been fairly good over the past couple of years. I, I mean, they have Kemba Walker there. He's not great, but he's still a good offensive player. They've got Marcus Smart there. They've got Jalen Brown. They've got Tatum. They've got enough pieces there where I think they can continue to be a good, solid team. And I think Carlisle, given his proven track record, could probably get the most of that team. That's not great for Miami, but I also, you know, I, I do wonder whether or not he feels the need to go back into the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, after having been fired by the Indiana Pacers. So I don't think that's a relationship that's going to happen again either. I don't think he's going to take over the Pacers. So we'll see what Carlisle does. It's interesting. But realize now I've been talking about the Dallas situation for eight and a half minutes or so, and I haven't gone to the big question is whether or not, similar to what's happening in Dallas, did Miami's finals run stave off the inevitable shakeup that every franchise must go through at some point in order to constantly add new, fresh energy? And I'll address that in the next segment. But first, let me tell you a little bit about a stable organization on their own. That's rockauto.com. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts you might need in a traditional chain storefront. So why not go to the experts? Go to the people that have been online serving customers like you for 20 years. That's two decades plus of dedicated service, a family-owned business that has all the parts available that you might need for your car or truck. Just go to their website, and with a few easy clicks, you can get all the parts you need directly delivered to your door, nice and safe, no hassle, no questions, no need to go anywhere you can just go online and order everything that you might need so go to rockauto.com right now and spend the exact same for your the parts that you might need and and maybe even less than you would get at a chain store or car dealership their low prices are the same for everybody so go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck then go to their section that says how'd you hear about us and write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car or truck will ever need that's rockauto.com Miami Heat are out of the playoffs, but the road to the finals still continues, and our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Speaking of the playoffs, it's so interesting now to me, watching how some of the teams that are still left, even as Milwaukee's going on this really deep run, like there are already plans to fire the Budenholzer. A lot of experts around the league already predicting that as soon as Budenholzer's bucks are eliminated against Brooklyn, that he's likely to be fired. I, I thought he had given himself a, a stay of execution based on his ability to knock off the heat and to challenge a, a deep team like the Nets. But I guess that the Nets still have a 3-2 to two game, three to two lead in the series without James Harden at 100%, with Kyrie Irving hobbled, uh, that they probably should have been able to advance past Brooklyn fairly easily, and that has not been the case. But look, I mean, that, that kind of overlooks the fact that they got blown out in the first two games, and maybe a lot of that can fall on Budenholzer. I'm, I'm not here to advocate for Budenholzer staying on the Buck staff or not. But it's just, there was an argument on Twitter, not an argument necessarily, but a discussion uh, between George Sedano of ESPN and some of the my fine friends over at Miami Heat Beat talking about the process in Philadelphia and which team is better. Of course, Philadelphia now in a 3-2 deficit of their own. And they're, it's just, it, again, 
I hate to keep saying the word interesting, but I my feeling is that every team has to have their own unique criteria. You know, it kind of harkens back to Pat Riley telling LeBron James, stick around if you've got the guts. Is the right move to constantly shake up things? Is it necessary to go through this turmoil? Like, as fans, I know probably most of you are shaking your head yes. And this is a franchise, a fan base, that has seen the Miami Heat go up and down over the last few years. Eric Spolster, who's won championships in Miami, who's guided Dwayne Wade through the best years of his career, who has helped develop dozens of players uh, during his tenure here. And yet his job is never safe. Uh, if it were up to you, Spoh should have been fired, I don't know, 12 years ago, the day he was hired. So it feels a little unfair, and maybe it's time for Pat Riley to step down. Pat Riley's washed and things of that sort. And, and yet somehow the organization still keeps going, still keeps sticking around, and, and finding ways to change things up, to add new dimensions, to tweak rather than overhaul. And I don't think that's what they're going to do with the roster this year, but just as a front office. It's interesting to to kind of just stick with your plan of constantly developing players, of finding superstar talent, of bringing in superstars who want to play in South Florida to take this team to title contention. You know, it build around those stars, keep adding those stars, and do what you can. And look, in Philadelphia, they had to... Uh, completely blow up that team midway through the big three era in Miami because they realized they could never contend for a title. So they traded away star players like Andre Iguodala and Drew Holiday in order to acquire draft picks. And then they kind of messed up those drafts, right? They drafted uh, Jalil Okafor and Nerlens Noel, who has been an okay player. Okafor, a solid backup big. They kind of hit on Embiid, but it took him years to develop. And Simmons, well, the book is still out on him, even though he is an all-NBA defender and all-star. Is he still the kind of player that you can build around? I mean, we're, we're talking about Bam Adebayo. We dissect his game. We debate whether or not he's the kind of star that you can add to a roster and build around. And yet you look at players, superstar, quote-unquote superstar players in other rosters that are challenged constantly, that you know their legacies are up for debate every day whether or not they're legitimate all-stars, whether or not they're players that you can add. I mean, Philadelphia going further than Miami this year in the playoffs, and yet you look at Ben Simmons not playing in the fourth quarter and losing leads to the Atlanta Hawks, and you wonder whether or not Simmons is actually a solid player. To me, I, like I know where I stand on that argument, but I just wonder how you can make a case for these franchises to build in the way they do by tearing things down, by going through the process of just tanking and going through the misery that losing breeds. And Miami, conversely, just saying, well, our worst season was 41-41. and 41. It's not so bad, huh? I mean, you have to deal with Dion Waiters hitting game winners, Goran Dragic playing at an all-star level, trying to develop guys like Hassan Whiteson and everybody else, and Josh Richardson. Like, maybe it sets you in a different path where you can't get to a title right away. But the reminder, yet again, only one team wins the NBA Finals every year. And you wonder whether or not we're all pre-programmed to have these unrealistic expectations for our team, which is why I've told you that, to me, titles are less important than an enjoyable team that continues to build and add and do things in a way that breeds success. Because the, the likelihood of winning a title is so unrealistic. That I just don't think it's it's fair to meet those kind of to put those expectations on a team and have them try to meet them every year. But it also kind of 
flips the question a little bit as to whether or not the finals run for Miami may have provided a, a stay of execution for this front office, right? Would we have questioned Pat a little bit more this year if they had Jimmy in year one and fallen short? Would we have debated whether or not Eric Spolstra should be replaced by another new coach? If, if Carlisle and Stotts and Van Gundy and who else who, you know is available out there as a head coaching candidate, do you bring back Dan Craig, let's say? you know, Do you question Spo and whether or not he should be the right guy for this team after two years? Does Jimmy get frustrated if they don't make the finals last year and in year two of his adventure in Miami, does he say, no, I, I don't want to play for Spo anymore. We're already hearing some rumors. I don't know how legitimate they are that there's tension between Spo and Jimmy. I don't think those rumors are legitimate at all. I think it's just kind of common practice for star players to have, well, to want to win at all costs. And that's more difficult than it is uh, realistic. And so I think there's always going to be tension with the person who's supposedly calling the shots. And I, I just, I don't think there's real tension there. I think it's just kind of normal workplace tension rather than I don't like Eric Spolstra. I don't think Jimmy dislikes Eric Spolstra. I don't think he has a problem playing for a guy like Spo. I think their valuers are, are so closely aligned that I think there's real chemistry there between the two of them that will help carry this team through the next couple of years. But, you know, if does the finals, does making the finals last year kind of silence the doubters for a team? And, and it's possible, you know. Conversely, if you don't make the finals last year in 2020, do you go on a deeper run this year and maybe, again, stay, stay off the execution, stave off any kind of criticism of the front office and things of that sort? To me, I, I just feel like this – front office has earned a benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's not what you want to hear, right? Maybe you want to say, oh, no, tear the front office down. Riley's Washington. And maybe when I was younger, I was more critical. I'll admit that. Because I think you lose perspective or you have a different perspective as you're younger. And then as you get older, it doesn't seem like quite as big a deal. Winning a title doesn't seem like it's always the biggest priority anymore. And, and I feel like having lived through the 41 and 41 season and everything that they've been able to accomplish since this, and knowing that this front office is always doing everything that they can to rebuild their roster, I don't think that they should be – I don't – I mean, look, criticize them when it's necessary, but I don't – even when it was 2000, the 2017 offseason, giving the deals they did to the players they did wasn't the wrong decision. Like, I, I think we all argued that Dion and James Johnson deserved those contracts at the time. That maybe it kept you – away from the superstar player, but there were no superstar players available then. Dwayne wasn't in Miami. You weren't going to add a kind of player like that anytime soon. You had to start rebuilding for something else. Now, I will criticize the Hassan Whiteside deal to the day I die, and I think that was egregious. If Portland wants to pay him or Dallas wants to pay him, well, let's see what happens then, huh? How much sooner would Rick Carlisle have left Dallas if he had to coach $99 million player <laughs> Hassan Whiteside? It would have been interesting. Maybe you would have been able to develop Bam a little bit sooner. Who knows? I mean, again, the what-if game, the butterfly effect of the NBA, so impossible to determine what would have changed, what would have gone differently. But Miami does need to rebuild their roster, not necessarily overhaul their front office. I think the stability of the front office continues to be a, a strength for Miami because you have a clear purpose, you have a goal, and you want to keep adding different pieces to that to complement it, to add new dissenting voices, new different voices, not dissenting, but different, right? You want to add a, a new 
kind of different voice to a room that's already has very established voices. And I think that's important. Even a guy like Jimmy, who is a well-noted winner and things of that sort, he does things a little differently. A guy like Bam, who's a young player, still kind of coming into his own, adds a different dimension there. As much as they are aligned with Miami's values, you also have to have people who are willing to change things up a little bit, tweak a little bit. You bring in a guy like Shane Battier, you, you bring in other assistant coaches that can help add new dimensions to what this team does well. You have to add new, fresh voices every once in a while. That's a, a big buzzword, right? Yeah, a fresh voice every once in a while. I think that's fair that for a front office, you don't want to get stale. You have to continue to change, be dynamic, do things a little differently. And I think the Heat are right up there with everybody else. And, and look... That's not to say the roster doesn't need some additions to it, and I will talk about those in the next segment. But first, you know what? Sometimes you need to, just like every organization needs some new energy, every time and once in a while, you need to give yourself a little bit of a snack. And if you want one, then the best-tasting protein bar out there is Built Bar. So go ahead and indulge in a Built Bar. 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar. Nine delicious flavors. And best of all, you can... Build a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. So good. You can just try them. You can build your own. I like that idea of just getting the ones that you want there. And and just give out the rest if you want to try something different. If not, you want to you know, reward somebody in your life with a Built Bar. This is a perfect opportunity to do so. So right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your first order. What's What's a better deal than that? Go to BuiltBar.com right now and enter the promo code LOCKED15 and you get 15% off so you can start eating Built Bars today. Get all the sports news you need in another 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Well, boy, Peter sure has his work cut out for him because there's a lot of news going on around the NBA. But moreover, perhaps, when you look at what Miami has to do this offseason, I, I wanted to answer this question that was sent in by John Zernick from uh, Pembroke Pines. John wrote to me via email, something that you can all do. He sends in questions every once in a while. This was a great question that I wanted to address here. It's a two-parter. I don't know if I can get to it all in this last segment, but I think it's worth bringing up. He asks, what whale wants to join a team that just got swept so easily? And then the follow-up question, is a single marquee player even the answer to the issues that were exposed against the Milwaukee Bucks? That is a great question, and I know this seems kind of vague, but there really isn't a clear answer here because every player wants something different. And it could be boiled down to the most simple terms. Nothing, nothing. I'll, well, I'll always remember this from my creative writing classes. I think I can't remember exactly who it was now, but they had expressed at one point that there were a limited number of plot points that you could build a book around or a creative story around. I think it was four. It was man versus nature, man versus himself, things of that sort. Every every story ever told throughout all of human history is blank versus blank. And that is the crux, the climax of any story that's ever been told. But as far as Miami's roster is concerned, again, and or what players might want, it boils down again to money or power or control or simply winning. 
But even then, within these categories, the subcategories is what makes these things interesting. Do they want to go to a place where they can make more money uh, and and have you know quality of life? Like they want to live in closer to their homes or where they're from or you know where their wives might be from or their girlfriends or something like that. Do they play college in blank place like you know uh, Victor Oladipo at Indiana Hoosier? And he wanted to go back to play for the Pacers. He was, quote unquote, coming home at that point in time, even if he wanted to, at some point, join the Miami Heat. So these kinds of things always become interesting. I remember talking to Jeff Teague about that. Like, Jeff Teague, you know, at at that point in time, coming off of an all-star career in uh, Atlanta and then goes to the Indiana Pacers and he wanted to come back home. He was so excited about the opportunity. And then he goes elsewhere, and it's like uh, he was kind of just – he left as a free agent because he was so tired of the whole Pacers situation. So sometimes what you might want isn't exactly what you actually wind up wanting or getting or needing. And so you might make a decision to go to some other franchise or go someplace else. So players, like all of us, always making those kinds of decisions, it's not quite easy. But to to John's question – I don't know what whale wants to join this team. My, my first thought about it was that no whale would want to join this team. Why, why would they want to join a team with two stars already? You've got Jimmy and bam. Do you want to slide in there and be the third guy? Do you want to be a part of quote unquote heat culture? If you're not a part of it already, do you understand how to play alongside Jimmy? Do you have concerns? I mean, whether or not this team is closer to the one who went all the way to the NBA Finals or the one that got swept against Milwaukee, I mean, to John's point. And and then I considered the Brooklyn situation. And, and I think that there are players that want to join, even if there are two already established stars there. And, and I think that's a, a big thing to consider is that there are some players who do fit that category. The, the idea of... I can adjust my game. I'm willing to adjust my game to blend in, to be a, a greater than the sum of my parts, to be part of something that's greater than the sum of my parts. Because even though I am a great player individually and I am joining two other great players, if we can all cut back just a little bit on what we do individually that's great and contribute to something greater, we will achieve great team success. And there are players that can do that. And look, I, I think you have to even look at the, the Harden situation and – you know, you can't overlook the fact that while he is used to being the star of his own individual team in, in Houston, you can't also overlook the fact that he's learned how to play alongside guys like Russell Westbrook and Dwight Howard and others throughout his career. You can't also overlook the fact that Harden's own starts in, in Oklahoma City was as a third guy there alongside Russell and Kevin Durant. So there's always a pre-existing relationship with a player like Durant. There's also the fact that Kyrie knows how to take a backseat the way he did to LeBron James, that KD knew how to take a backseat and when to turn it on and off playing alongside Steph Curry. So I, I think that's what you're kind of looking for is a player that knows how to play with superstars but also doesn't expect things to go completely their way. And, and I think it was very different in 2010. I think LeBron certainly fit that category. I think he had so much pressure on himself put so much pressure on himself and had so much pressure pl- placed on him to win a championship now that it was a little bit more a little bit easier for him to fit into Miami to learn how to take his game to another level. I think he wanted the structure that Miami provided and playing alongside Dwayne as we all know was a challenge that first season. I mean, look, he made it look easy throughout the regular season, but when things were differently, when things were a little bit more tightly contested in the postseason, 
certainly it was more challenging for LeBron to find a way to become the great player that we saw him become over the next couple seasons in his tenure in Miami and throughout his tenure, basically in Cleveland and, and, and even in Los Angeles, much to Miami's chagrin there. But there are few players that I think fit into that first category as the undisputed number ones on their respective team. LeBron, certainly in Los Angeles, even though Anthony Davis might be the team's best player, that's LeBron's team. He calls the shots. He dictates things. And I think for a guy like Davis, as great as he is, We've seen him be passive throughout different points in his career, so I think it's easier for him to take that step back, to be the 1B and be fine being the 1B and maybe even a 2A and, and alongside LeBron James. I think Giannis is that guy. I think that's the reality of why he wanted to stay in Milwaukee. Is that This is his team. He wants. He's built himself up from nothing, basically, to become the player that he is. He's going to get paid a lot of money there, and I think – He's just too used to doing things his own way. He's been given a lot of freedom to do things his own way by Jason Kidd before that, and now Mike Budenholzer, and I don't think he's ever going to leave that situation there. I think Dame also fits that category. Lillard Lillard is the man in Portland, and I think he, his connection to the, the town, the city, the people, the organization, and everything else, like he is so strongly embedded into that. I don't think he's willing to leave. As much as Heat fans want to see a shakeup in Portland, I don't think that's likely to happen. Look, Terry Stotts was fired. The only coach Dame's ever played for because it was more important to placate and to please Dame and to initiate some kind of change because Dame's not going anywhere. It's, it would have been like if in, in 2008, uh, you know, maybe different because they were able to win a title in 2006. But let's say they don't win that title in 2006 and Dwayne starts to get a little frustrated, uh, not necessarily happy with what's happening in Miami. In 2010, they don't get the big three and he stays there. Do you keep Eric Spolster as coach? Again, a big what if that maybe you'll never get a clear answer for. But I, I think it's a lot less likely that Spo is able to stay in Miami as the head coach if they don't win those titles, if they don't get, you know, Dwayne's blessing to stay on as head coach. Uh, To add to that list, I think Luca's on there. I think we're starting to see now that the team is being restructured to fit him and his needs. I think Steph is that guy. As much as he comes across as the, uh, you know, kind of humble guy, I think the reality is that his team has been for a long time. And I think that's probably part of the problem for Kevin Durant was that he couldn't fit onto what was already his team. Uh, it was hard for him, and he was always being compared. Steph is beloved there. I don't think he's going to anything. I, I think Joel Embiid's also that guy. I think he's so beloved by Sixers fans that he's not likely to leave that franchise anytime soon. I think Mitchell in Utah is getting there. I think that's Donovan's team. And I, I also think Trey Young is fast approaching that. Like I think he's starting already to get to that point where he is virtually untouchable in Atlanta, especially if they continue to win during the playoffs. And if they are able to build on that success, I think he's going to get there. So I, I, these guys I would rank as either untouchable or unwilling to go anywhere because they call the shots so single-handedly. Now, secondary stars, that's where Miami needs to find somebody that can add value. This is where... A, a team might be willing to trade those secondary stars to appease their first level stars, you know, the, the Ben Simmons of the world. Uh, maybe those players might be frustrated. They're like a lot less likely to get, or a lot more likely to get traded. They can't get their way. You know, if Ben Simmons says, I want this player, 
you know, I think Daryl Morey says, I don't give a shit <laughs> and, and you just move on. And I think you just, you know, trade, trade Ben Simmons away. I don't think they call the shots as completely as, you know, a Joel Embiid or a Steph or a LeBron or anything like that. Anthony Davis wields no power in, in, you know, La La Land. I think that's LeBron James and that's LeBron's team and as well it should be because he's LeBron James. So I think that's where you can try to find those secondary level stars. And I think, you know, again, McCollum is a good name there. I think Simmons is a good name. Chris Middleton in Milwaukee. Rudy Gobert. Those are all names. Those are all players that are, again, fit in that category. But I also think that they're under they're also under contract, so they're not necessarily likely to be traded anywhere. Now, I could see Middleton being traded if he falters in the playoffs again, if they say, well, maybe we need to get – more value, right? Let's say let's say Middleton is seventy five cents on the dollar because his he, you know he doesn't show up in the fourth quarter, and you can still get something. You can get three quarters back to help build more depth on that team, or maybe you can kind of just lean in a different way. Maybe you can get somebody who can swing things a little differently for Milwaukee's chances of of advancing next year. Maybe whoever they hire to replace uh, Budenholzer doesn't necessarily like Middleton's game and and the way Middleton plays or something like that and wants to make some changes. Who knows? This is how it always works out, right? You're hearing talk about how Doc Rivers has mismanaged Ben Simmons, and partly because Simmons is of his own limitations, but also the fact that he's not pushing Simmons to be a more aggressive scorer, I think is a big part of the problem. So you wonder whether or not they trade a guy like Simmons for somebody who's a much more complimentary scorer to Joel Embiid, somebody who can help carry the load a little bit. I mean, is it a Simmons for McCollum swap, something that makes a lot of sense for either team? I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting choice there. I mean, Simmons is a guy who can push the pace, who will get to the rim on occasion, who can make the smart pass. Is it okay for Lillard to play off ball a little bit there? I mean, is McCollum a good enough scorer to be a complimentary player? Like, certainly – I mean, again, this is not a, a theoretic trade on my part here. I'm just kind of floating names out there. For Miami's purposes, to get back to John's question, I think the target, ideally, based on what I just said, you want to find a guy who's used to playing alongside stars, who's used to you know, not necessarily having their way as the key player for their teams, a guy who can play alongside Jimmy and Bam, I think it's Bradley Beal. I really do. I don't I don't think there's any other superstar out there that fits the mold of what Miami needs as well as Beal and is willing to make that change. Because Lillard, as we've talked about many times, is the ideal fit. He's a point guard. He's a shooter. He's a guy that adds that d- dimension to what Miami can do and just will take their offense to a whole other level. He's committed. He wants the title. He's hungry. He's just not going anywhere. Neither of those first-tier guys like Luca are going anywhere. So the idea of you can Photoshop them into as many jerseys as you want, they're not leaving their respective positions. Not yet. Not at this point. Not until they're older in their careers and go, you know what? Being the number one hasn't, been al- hasn't always been what it's cracked up to be, and it's frustrating for me. I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to go elsewhere. You can see that possibility happening uh, you know, down the road, but not at this current point in time. So if you're looking for a guy who might be frustrated with their organization, who's frustrated with the lack of or the constant turmoil, who's frustrated with the fact that they haven't been able to achieve much, Beal. It's Beal. You can f- somehow find a way to add Bradley Beal to your roster. Miami is a much, much better team. I think you know we made the argument at the end of last offseason thinking that given Tyler's progress – that Tyler was going to be able to continue to grow as a player this year, that maybe he could get to 
I don't know, a, a, a discount version of what Bradley Beal can provide. I think those, those kinds of arguments seem a lot less plausible nowadays because there's so much criticism for what Tyler was able to do during the offseason or during the regular season, excuse me, and during the postseason as well. So I think a guy like Beal certainly helps Miami. He's not the last piece. If you add Beal and somehow find a way to add Kyle Lowry too because he takes a discount because he's more committed to winning, that's the team. That's the complete version of this team. Kyle, Beal, Jimmy, Bam. If somehow you convince Duncan to take a discount, that's phenomenal. Find somebody else to play the four. I don't know. I mean, you don't even really need Duncan, right? I mean, his role, his role would be so greatly reduced that I don't know that you necessarily even need to add him. I, I think you have a, a go-to scorer in Beal who will get you those shots, a guy in Kyle who can spread the floor as well as well as Duncan, but it's just going to be a different offense. You're not going to see the the same actions run that they did this year for Duncan because you, know, you have guys like Beal that can create off the dribble, that can create their own shots, that are used to being you know, the, the person who dictates how the offense flows on a daily basis. So that's a team that's different. That's a team that's well-rounded, and that's the ultimate goal for the Heat this season. Look, there are other parts of John's question that I'll answer in an upcoming episode, but for now, that's it for today's show. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at Lockdown Heat. If you've got a great question like John's, send them over via email or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat or via direct message. My DMs are always open. Be sure to please follow the show if you haven't already and leave a review if you have not done so as well. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show. And thanks to all of you. I'm David Ramil signing off for now. <laughs>